Hi, and welcome to Com Church Talks. This is our sermon of the day. We pray it will be a real blessing to you. I know you'll be encouraged, challenged, and uplifted by the talk you're about to hear. Praise God, praise God. What awesome worship, honestly. Worship is just super, super powerful. And I really encourage you whenever like you go through the week or anything, just worship God, honestly. Worship transforms and changes situations. Amen? So my subject for today is the word commitment, which is a very um, important um, word. It's quite a deep topic anyway. Uh, but before I obviously start my message, I just want to thank Pastor Sarah and Pastor Julian for just giving me the opportunity to even share this message. Thank you, Pastor Julian. He's just the best pastor in the whole world, honestly. If we can give him a hand clap, he's the best, honestly. <laughs> he doesn't like compliments, but I just can't help it, mate. <laughs> oh, gosh. All right. Praise God. Praise God. So uh, I'm going to get started. So commitment. So first of all, by speaking on commitment, we just need to obviously find out what commitment is about. And um, while I was preparing for the message, I was just trying to find definition of the word commitment. Um, so the word commitment is actually based on two, two words. So you've got the word commit, and then the other part, which is the meant. So I'll just talk a little bit about the first part. So the first part of the of the word commit, uh, it's formed with the word com. You know, we've got loads of pictures on the walls about com. We've got communion, compassion, commission, community, and we've got commitment. So the word com basically means with, together, in association with, um, and an intense force. So that's what that word com means. Um, now, the other parts, the mit part, it's actually from the Latin word, which is pronounced miter. Can everyone say miter? Miter. That's how they say in Latin. <laughs> All right. So the word miter basically means um, to send. Thank you, Pastor Sarah. Uh, to send, to see mission. And the other part of the word commitment, which is the word meant, um, it basically means, it's actually... Um, what it means is that it's an act of doing things. So uh, I'll give an example of the word replace. So the word replace is actually a verb. But when you add the meant into it, it's replacement. So it turns into a noun. So from the word replace, the word replacement, um, replacement actually is kind of like it's a process. So not only is it action, but it's also, there's a process behind. So you've got the replace and the replacement. So they act on the process of trying to find the replacement. And that's kind of what it is with the word commitment, is that commit, it's, an, it's, a, it's, a, it's a verb, so it's an action that you're doing. And the entire word commitment, it's, it's a process. So it's not just something that you, you do once in a lifetime, it's something that you continuously do over and over and over. So it's actually a process, all right? Um, so uh, another definition that I need to find, uh, thank God for Google. Amen. <laughs> I love the ministry of Google. All right, so 
Another definition, the state's quality of being dedicated to a cause or an activity. So commitment is all about being dedicated. Someone who's dedicated is someone that always goes in the extra mile. So it doesn't, you know, do the job. It just goes beyond the job, you know. Uh, an example is someone perhaps at job, at work, someone committed, someone perhaps that will start work like get there even before you even supposed to start work and finishes after after you're supposed to finish work amen so that's like a definition which i really really liked another definition i managed to find from google thank god uh, is the state of being emotionally or intellectually devoted as to believe a course of action or another person so it's really given to someone or to something, you know, to really, really being dedicated. Now, in the Bible, the word commitment is actually part of a trinity. Um, so the word commitment is actually part of a trinity. And the trinity involves covenant and it also involves promises. So I'll give a quick explanation of the word covenant because commitment is actually part of a covenant so a covenant is um it's that that word basically from the hebrew is a word called you say berit and in greek you call it diateki and that word basically describes a formal relationship between two parties who agree to set off promises so they can work together towards a common goal it is based also on words that have been agreed between two parties. So covenant is words that have been agreed. So there's they, they, two parties, so one person and another. Um, an example of a covenant, uh, marriage. Marriage is a huge, like it's a, one of the big, biggest commitment in, in, in life. So it really, really requires commitment and it's one big covenant. And in marriage, you've got two people that, you know, they're together, and they, and they make a decision, you know, to spend their life, you know, to, to make the decision to stay together for the rest of their life. Uh, yesterday, we managed to witness an awesome wedding, the married wedding of Josh and um, Sarah, which is, I've, I've attended actually four weddings so far this year. I love weddings. If there was to be weddings every week, I'll go to it every week. <laughs> I'm that type of person. But free food as well. <laughs> I'll be honest, I love my food, you know. <laughs> All right, so um, yeah, I absolutely love wedding, but yesterday was just amazing. It's like two great people committed their life and, you know, just saying in front of everyone I do was just such a blessing. I had so much fun. It was just such a big, 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 um, big moment for, for them life, for, for both of their lives. And it requires big commitment. So in the Bible... Um, when you talk about covenant, um, I will give an example of two covenants that, um, that is in the Bible. So the first one is from uh, Genesis 17, is with Abraham. Um, so I'll read from verse 1 to 2, and it says, When Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me faithfully and be blameless, that when we make my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. 
So from that scripture, we can see there is the three parts. So you've got the covenant. The word covenant is in there, of course. Uh, you've got the commitment part. So the commitment part in that scripture, if you walk before me faithfully and be blameless. So that's the commitment part that God has given Abraham to do. And then you've got the third part, which is the promise so then I will make my covenant between me and you, and you will greatly increase your numbers. So a perfect example. Uh, third, last example um, of a covenant in the Bible is when God made a covenant with the children of Israelites uh, after, they were, um, after they were rescued from Egypt and they, went to the, um, they were about to go to the promised land. So this is from Exodus 19, 3 to 6. Um, and I'll read. So then Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain and said, This is what you are to say to the descendants of Jacob, and what you are to tell to the people of Israel. You yourself have seen what I did to Egypt, and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all nations you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. So from that scripture again, we see the Trinity, the covenant that God is establishing with the people of God. We see the commitment part that the people of God have to make, which is, um, uh, where is it again? Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, you know, sometimes God says, to, says something to us, and we partly obey, but we don't actually fully obey. And God, whenever God speaks to us or whenever God actually gives us instructions, we are to fully, fully obey them. Amen. And then the promise here would be that although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of praise and a holy nation. Amen. That's a very, uh, very powerful verse. Um, so I'm just moving on to another question. Uh, which is saying, where do we actually see commitment? So, you know, we've moved on, we've talked about covenant and how commitment is actually part of a covenant and it's actually the part, it's a part, it's an action and it's a process that needs to be done continuously. So now we're just moving on to actually see where in the Bible we can find commitment, that word commitment in the Bible. So um, the first example that I just wanted to give was in the life of Moses where Moses stayed committed to the instructions that was given to save the nation of Israel. So, uh, you know, God calls him out of the burning bush and speaks to Moses. Um, and God gives him the instructions to follow. And, you know, um, Moses follows every single, um, every single instructions. And what I find very interesting is that all the instructions that God gave to Moses... There, there were several instructions that God gave and it was amazing how Moses would do miracles but yet Pharaoh still would not let them go. And sometimes God gives you something or certain things and then you do it but you don't actually see the results. And it just really, um, it's really a lesson to actually help us to remember that whenever God gives us instructions... We need to keep doing it over and over. It's not a question of just doing it once and then that's it. Like, God's going God's gonna to come through and things like that. It was 
the deliverance of the children of Israelites in Egypt was actually a, a process. And it was, a, it, it was what God used to deliver the children of Israelite. And, you know, it's just a really encouragement that whatever God spoke to you, whatever um, instructions God has actually given you, you need to make sure that you, you know, you apply it into your life. But don't just apply it once. You're trying to do that over and over again on your everyday life. Amen. And then uh, another point that when I was actually studying that, um, that, that particular passage and that example with Moses is that the obedience of one man or the commitment to God's instruction from one man has the power to save an entire generation. And you look at Moses, how he just followed the instructions that God gave him. And then that just literally made a way for the children of Israelites to actually be set free and to be delivered. So this is just another example just to show to you that the instructions that God gives you is not just for you and is not just for your own benefits. It's for the benefits of the people. Because at the end of the day, we're all here to bless people. We're not here to bless ourselves. We're not here to, you know, to do things just for our own interest or, you know, just to gain things. We're just there. It's always to bless people. You understand? And whenever God gives you something, it's not just for your own, for your own good. It's to bless people. Amen? So my second example I want to give um, is with Jesus. Now this example is actually quite um, interesting. Jesus fasted in the wilderness. I don't know about you, but fasting in the wilderness must be the hardest thing. I mean, I speak for myself and I'll be honest. I'll I don't think I'll be able to fast in the wilderness. I mean, I love food, you know. <laughs> My love for food is endless, absolutely endless. So when it comes to fasting, within two days, gosh, like my, my flesh is just crying out. I want this, I want that. And I just need to rebuke my flesh, you understand? Because sometimes what the, thing, what the devil is trying to do is that the devil uses like God, certain scriptures. And then certain scriptures that pop into my mind is like, yeah, God will forgive you. Don't worry, don't worry, man. Just have that. God will forgive you, man. Don't worry, don't worry. The grace of God is enough, man. Don't worry. <laughs> don't do it. Don't do it. So it's, it's just another uh, a picture that Jesus stayed committed to his fast and even to his purpose um, at the cross as well. He had many opportunities where Jesus could have just, you know what, forget this, forget that, and... I can't, I can't do this anymore because he was innocent and he was sacrificed at the cross for something that he didn't even do but that was his calling that was his purpose that's what he was he came on earth to do to rescue man and to save man and that it takes commitment to not walk out of what God's called you to do Amen and my third example from an awesome man of God and he was powerful uh, is the Apostle Paul. Apostle Paul stayed committed to the gospel, even through persecution. And it's very interesting that with the case of the Apostle Paul is that the persecution came from his own people, the, 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 the teachers of the law, people that supposed to know the law, people that should know that the greatest law and the greatest commandment is to love your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and love that neighbor this is all in the Torah, in the, in, from, you know, from Genesis to, 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 the, to Deuteronomy. Or, it's all in there. It's all in the law. And 
it's, it's amazing how through persecutions, through tribulations and through things that he suffered, he was still able to minister to these churches, to plant churches, to, 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 to pour his heart and mentor, like how he mentored Timothy and young Timothy the Lord. It was, I just found it amazing and it really, really takes commitment for someone to do that because it's very easy to, to start something but to finish something is another story and that's where commitment is. Commitment stick to the end and it's kind of like you race. It's kind of like a race where you start and you need to finish the race. And Philippians 3.13 says, Brothers and sisters, where Paul's talking, Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. I press on towards the goal to win the prize of which God has called me in Christ Jesus. And at that very, very moment, Paul was actually in prison for for sharing the gospel. And this is just to show that when you're called and when you're chosen and you're destined for greatness, there will be persecution. Persecution will come. People will oppose you. Sometimes it may be your family members that may oppose you, kind of like the life of Joseph where his siblings didn't see what God was seeing in him. Or like David, for instance, where David was just a shepherd's boy. That's what his family saw him. But... God, I'm so grateful for God because God sees the best in you even when your families or people or, or whether who it is, your job or your, your sorry, or your, your manager may not see who you're destined to be, but God sees the best in you. Amen. So moving on. How do we actually keep commitment? So it's great to speak about commitment, to see the examples in the Bible of commitment, but it's very, very important that whenever we speak, we give, we, we practice what, you know, we, we preach or the information that has been given. Amen. So how do we keep commitment? First of all, um, the first point I'd like to make is that you can't make a commitment or, or continue to keep commitment without encountering the love of God. The reason why I say that is because in, in uh, Matthew 4, no, sorry, Matthew 3, uh, verse 16, I believe. So I'm just going to turn my Bible to Matthew 3. So in this scripture, Jesus was actually being baptized, was getting baptized by... Um, oh, I forgot John. Yes, sir. Thank you. By John. And um, there was an interesting word that popped in. And this was just before Jesus actually went to be led by the Spirit to actually fast and to be in the wilderness. So it's in verse 16 to 17. And I'll read. When he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water. And behold, the heavens were open to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and enlightening upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And then verse 4, chapter 1, sorry, verse 4, um, sorry, chapter 4, verse 1, and Jesus was led by the Spirit 
into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. So in other words, for us to really, really stay committed in things that we're involved in life, especially us as believers, we need to make sure that we encounter the love of God on a daily basis because the love of God is, is it's, it's, it's actually a, a strength and it's something that really, really gives us the strength and it's a supernatural love that gives us the power to overcome and to withstand and help us to endure any sort of tribulations that we go through. We see the same thing with Apostle Paul as well. The reason why Apostle Paul was able to go through these persecutions, these trials and tribulations was because he encountered Jesus on his way to persecuting the church, which is quite deep anyway. But he encountered Jesus at the road of Damascus where he was about to kill Christians and then Jesus all of a sudden appeared to him, why, why are you persecuting me? And he really encountered Jesus. He really had an encounter with God and managed to actually know who Jesus and who God is. And the same thing with Moses as well. Before his, his experience in Egypt, he managed to experience God in, a, in a, such a supernatural, such a deep way. In the burning bush where he was able to speak to God and even got to the point where God told him to remove his sandal because where he was standing was holy ground. And I believe that when we encounter the love of God, it really, really gives us the strength because love does not give up. When we look in the Bible, God never gave up on us. In fact, in John 3, 16, he says that for God to love the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever might believe in him shall be saved. Amen. So another word is that love really, really gives us the strength to, to really be committed. And I just really encourage every believer is that we've all got responsibilities in life and we've got all many, many things that we committed to. And it's very, very important to continue to go to God to help us to, to stay committed, to help us to truly encounter his love. And it's not um, something which is religious where you encounter it once in your life and then that's it. Encountering the love of God is something that should be done on a daily, daily basis. When you meditate on the things that God has provided you with, you know, you read John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Majority of the time, in fact, most of the times when God blesses you, God will always bless you with people. I think people are just the biggest blessing God can ever, ever add into your life. I totally believe it. And sometimes when you meditate on the people that God has brought to you in your, in, in your life, sometimes I'm at work and, you know, I, I do my stuff and I'm doing my responsibility stuff. And, and sometimes I just meditate on the people that God has blessed me with, blessed me with amazing family, blessed me with an amazing church. I'm not going to lie, Com Church is the best church in the world. <laughs> I love you guys, honestly. And sometimes when I meditate into that, I, I really, 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 really sense the presence of God. And I really, really would encourage you sometimes to just meditate on what God has blessed you. God has blessed you with children. God has blessed you with a job. God has blessed you with a finance. God has blessed you with, with people, friends that are just there through you, through thick and thin. And sometimes when you meditate on that, you begin to sense the love of God. And it's that love that you continue to encounter on a daily, daily basis, which gives you strength to, to overcome and to 
and to continue into whatever challenges that you face. Amen. And my second point that I'd like to make is um, to keep commitment. Commitment, yes, we encounter the love of God. And as we receive the love of God, we need to give it out. And the love of God, and the second point which I'm making is giving without expecting something in return. Someone who's committed doesn't always look for a person to meet their needs. He always goes out of his ways and to meet the needs of the people. In fact, a committed person is someone who always takes the first step. And we look at the perfect example with God is that God was thinking of us when we were not even thinking of ourselves. And it's the perfect example that God came down on earth and we were not even thinking about God, but God first thought of us. And these are the qualities of someone who's committed, someone who always thinks first and always makes the first steps and not waiting for someone to do something and then start, init- and then start what he's supposed to do. Amen. Um, what I would advise as well um, is to renew our mind with a covenant that God has made um, and that will help us um, to be committed and the responsibilities as well, um, making sure that we renew our mind. And I'll, I'll bring, I'll, I'll go into the subject of marriage. Marriage is one of the biggest, biggest covenant in the entire world. And at times, you know, there's, you go through certain challenges, perhaps people go through certain challenges in marriage and, uh, and, and things like that. And it's very, very easy to, to, to be led by your emotions or that person is not doing this for me or that person is not doing that or that person is doing this. So I'll give an example where um, in, in a marriage we see that um, a husband should love his wife as Christ loved the church. And sometimes you may see that, oh, um, my wife is not, is, not, is not submitted to me or she's not submissive to me and all of that. That's why I don't need to love her. There's no, the, the thing with God is that there is no condition into his commandment. When God said, husband, love your wife, there is no condition. There's not if she's good or if she's, <laughs> if she behaves well. <laughs> there is no condition. It says, husband, love your wife as Christ loved the church. There's no condition in love. If there was a condition in love, it wouldn't be love at all. Amen. And there's no condition. And it's the same thing as well with um, perhaps a, a, a wife. A wife who say, oh, but my husband doesn't, he doesn't love me. He doesn't show affection to me. He doesn't show me this. He doesn't show me that. That's why I don't need to submit. Sorry, there's no, there's no condition into submission. <laughs> All the brothers say, Amen. Ladies, don't persecute me, please. I'm just, I'm just saying what's in the Bible, man. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, gosh. Yes, but there's no, there's, no, there's, no, there's no condition whatsoever. There's no. And I'll give an example as well with perhaps children where God says, kids, honor your mother and father. That's another word. That's a deep, deep commandment, I'll tell you. And I'll be honest, sometimes... It's not easy honouring your parents, man. Sometimes they, they, you know, they can push your buttons, honestly. <laughs> Look at you, Chile. <laughs> they, 
they can push your buttons. Like, I'll give an example. At like times, like my mom, there's times where, this was before anyway, this was when I was quite young, and I'd be upstairs, I'd be with my brother, we'd be playing and everything, we, you know, play PlayStation or whatever. And mom would be literally downstairs in the living room, and she'd be downstairs in the living room watching TV and all of that. And then she calls me all the way. I'm upstairs, right? She calls me, Nathan. Let me, let me bring the African accent. Nathan, calm down, please. I'm coming down, I'm thinking, oh, what's going on? What's going on? What, 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 what have I done? What have I done again? It's like, can you please pick up that remote on the table, please? I tell you, oh my God. When she said that to me, I was like, mom, it's just right there on the table. What, what is this? And he's like, gosh, I mean, I can't argue. It's my mom at the end of the day. And as the Bible says, honor your parents, your father and mother. There's no condition. At that moment, I didn't feel like honoring her, but I did it. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh gosh, African parents at times, man. Sorry to say, but you know, <laughs> I love Africa. I'm from, Af I'm, 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 from, I'm from Africa, but sometimes, you know, but I'm grateful. I'm grateful for my mom, honestly. When it comes to commitment, my mom is like, honestly, she, I'm, I'm committed because of my mom. I'll, as she, and that's something that, That's something that I really encourage when you obviously trying to be committed to something. You always need to find a role model, someone who's really, really committed. And for me, my mom is like, she played a huge part in, commit, in, in commitment. My mom, when we were young, she was part of the choir and she used to sing in the choir. And in the church when we were going at the time, um, they had three services. And the choir that was actually singing in the main service, which was 11 and they had the morning service, which was eight. They had to sing at both the morning services. And um, for the morning service at eight o'clock, the choir actually had to be in church by, I'll say 6.30. They had to be at 6.30. They had to pray together. They had to intercede before they go and minister, then prepare themselves to go, and then to minister in, the front, in, front, of, um, in front of the congregation. And mom, single mother, she raised three kids on her own. And she, she would work Monday to Friday. Weekend, obviously, Saturday would be perhaps the only day where she was able to rest. But when it comes to Sunday, it's church where we'll have to wake up at five o'clock in the morning. Five o'clock in the morning because she had to get to church for about six o'clock or something. Obviously, she has to get me and my brother ready and my sister as well you actually get us us already and stuff and she would do that every 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 Sunday every single Sunday she'll do that and honestly when I see someone who's committed like that that is to me that's like a role my mom is literally she's like my role model honestly and when when I see the commitment that she's made for us like my my siblings I just, I just really, really, really thank God. I really thank God for her life. So, you know, 
despite of her calling me and or nagging me all the time and all of that, I'm, I'm still grateful in a way. I'm grateful for, for mom and the commitment that she's made. And even a second person that I'd like to speak to, that I'd like to speak about uh, when it comes to commitment as well, a person that pops into my mind, and for me, it was Pastor Doug. Pastor Doug was someone who was extremely committed. He was just absolutely amazing. And one qualities of someone who's committed is someone who never, never gives up. Pastor Doug never gave up, never stopped believing, even through his challenges. He never, never stopped believing God. And I remember I went to see him uh, before he went to be with God. I went to see him and mom was there. Um, Mother Helena was there. And, you know, we, we managed to speak, we managed to talk, we managed to pray together. And I could really, really sense in his eyes that this man never stopped believing in God. Because it's very easy to believe in God when things are good, when things go right, when things, everything's all together. But what about when sickness hits you or someone who's treating you in a certain way or through trials and tribulations? It's, it's, not, it's not an easy place at all. But that man was not only committed and didn't give up, he was also committed to the church. The fact that how we even got this building put together, it's, it takes commit, commitment. And this is where Pastor Julian gets it from, honestly. Like, Pastor Julian is one of the most committed person. In, I've, I've seen, honestly, I've seen, I've, I've never seen a man who's so committed to church, to getting things right. Sometimes it could be in church, and then he'll be like, oh, there's something not right with the sound. Let me just go back. <laughs> Let me go at the back and so He's just, because the thing about Pastor Julian is that he's just really, really focused on excellence. And I think, I believe that for someone to be committed, it really requires excellence, that whatever jobs you're doing, you do it with the best of your ability. Amen. And how he give sacrificially his time. I mean, it's been about a couple of months since we've managed to finish out the studio upstairs. And I tell you, it took a lot of sacrifices from him sometimes. I can imagine Pastor Sarah, who at times, you know, Julian, when you're coming home, you know, it's dinner time and things like that. But he's, because he's so focused on vision, he's so focused on, on, on the church. And for me, when I see people like that, it's really, really encouraged me to be committed. So one advice I would really give you is, you know, for, have people in your life, people that look up, people that are really, really, really committed. We've got the examples in the Bible, but we've also got examples in the church. We've got examples in the community. We've got examples in our family. Maybe a family member who's really, really dedicated to, to, you know, to his marriage, dedicated to his family, and, you know, you really, really look up to that person and speak to them and, and interact with them. And how do you do that? How do you do that? And things like that, I think is very important. That's where discipleship is really important as well. That discipleship from someone who is committed will transform the information to someone who is about to be committed, which is so key in our generation. Amen. So um, moving on. Um, moving on. Let me just check the time. All right. I need to hurry up. Okay, so um, three areas that I really want to focus on um, commitment. The first area is to God. We should be committed to God. Um, Psalm 37 verse 5 says, Commit your way to the Lord. 
Trust in him and he will do this. He will make your righteous reward shine like the dawn, your vindication like the noonday, the sun. And, yeah, it's the end of the scripture. And really it's that whatever we do for God is not really to benefit God. It's actually for our own benefit because God doesn't, doesn't really... It doesn't really need us. We need him more than he needs us. Understand? And it's very important to make sure that you, you're grateful for things that God has blessed you with as well. Is that when you're committed in the area and committed with God, your commitment with God is that you give back to God because God has blessed you with so many things. He's blessed you with life. He's blessed you with health. He's blessed you with a family. He's blessed you with a home. There's people that don't even have a home. People sleep outside, but you've got a home where you can actually sleep. And that's, you know, when you think of things like that, that should actually motivate you to be committed to God. Um, And sometimes as well, it can be quite dangerous where the things that God has blessed us with, we we now we we we've left our commitment with God and we focus on the things that God has blessed with blessed us with and I'll give an example of Abraham where Abraham was blessed with a son Isaac he waited many many years for his son and God eventually was testing Abraham's character God tested Abraham's character and asked Abraham to sacrifice his son and that wasn't really to see his son die. That wasn't at all. That was really, really a test of, are you really, really after me or are you after the things that I give you? Where your priority is? Are your priority on the things that I'm blessing you with or are your priorities with me? You know, and that's when the the Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added unto you that we should not seek for things or where things come that we should... um, make that priority over God. We should always have God as our priority, our God as our example, as God as, as the reason why we actually are committed to things that we do in life. Amen. The second part that I would like to, 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 to really to mention when it comes to commitment is really commitment to our home and to our family. I think this is one of the biggest, biggest commit, level of commitment that should really, really show and I'll give an example. When you read the book of Genesis, that's where Genesis makes a big, huge, plays a big part. When you read the, the book of Genesis, you actually study the entire book. The book of Genesis is split into three sections. You've got verse 1 to verse 2. God created everything. He creates everything with his words. Uh, from verse um, 3, there's the fall where God, no, sorry, man disobeys God. Man disobeys the, um, the, the instructions of God. And then from verse 4 to 11, you now see a pattern that um, the, um, the disobedience of one man actually extended to, to sin in his family. So you give the example of Cain and Abel, where Cain was jealous of his brother and killed his brother because, he sacrif- because his offering and his sacrifices was much better than his. And you see the effects of sin going through family. And then read it on towards, I'll say, about chapter 11. You see that that begins also to, to, um, to spread into the nation. But what God is, God is an awesome God, is that whatever problems we have, God will always turn it around for our good. Amen? And the second part of Genesis from verse 12 to 15, it really starts with one man, which is Abraham. 
That's why man, like, honestly, when God's trying to bless a nation, God will use, will start with a man. Man is the foundation, is the foundation of a family, of a home. When a man is, no, is not at home, when the presence of a man is not there, the home is not the same. And that's why it's very, very important for man, you know, to stay in tune with God, to make sure that you know God for yourself. You know God that your woman should not know more to, about God than you. Sorry to say this. But because the instructions anyway, the instructions in the Bible was, first of all, the law was actually given, first of all, to man to teach his family how to behave. Amen. So, yes, so then from verse 12, um, no, so from chapter 12 to 50, so it starts with a man, and then it extends to his family, to the, to the family of Abraham, and then from then it extends to the, to the nation of Israel, um, being rescued and being saved through the famine. And this is the pattern that God used to rescue a nation. And the family brings a huge part. The family was what God actually was part of the plan, part of the rescue plan to redeem a nation. And a point that I wanted to make is that the destiny of a nation is in the hand of a family who stays committed to the covenant of God. Amen. This is why the enemy doesn't like family. This is why the enemy doesn't like unity in the family. It's because it, 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 it really, once a, a, a family is not united, it's, that's it. Like, there's no, um, the family can't really function well. So, um, as I'm about to close, I really, really would like to encourage people to really be committed to God. Stay committed to God. Be committed. And I would like to invite the praise and worship team to come back on stage as well. To really be committed to God. To be committed to what God has blessed you with. And to be committed with your home, with, you know, your life in private, I believe is very, very important and it's very vital that, um, that the work behind the scene, it's you, that you really stay committed to what, is, what people can't see, your home or whatever behind the scenes, because the works behind the scenes actually prepares you for the works in public. That David wasn't qualified to be king because he killed Goliath, but it was actually because he was actually looking after sheep. And that's why it's very important for us to make sure that the areas in our lives that are in private, that we make sure that we really, really commit ourselves to it. Thanks for listening to Com Church Talks. We'd love to hear from you and you're welcome to any of our Sunday services or midweek comms. For more information or to get in touch, visit our website at www.comchurch.org.uk or find us on Facebook. God bless.